the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. And hey, it is time for me to tell you what you need to know. And that's what we do at the the Pro-America Report. And uh, don't forget, by the way, one, one thing I want to say. One, if you could do one favor for me. As we head into the holiday weekend, one favor, would you go to edmartinlive.com, edmartinlive.com. If you go there and sign up for the emails, you'll get an email from me once, five days a week, Monday through Friday, not on the weekends. I promise I don't sell it. I don't rent it. I don't borrow. I don't loan. I don't do anything with your email address. I just want to send you one email a day at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. East Coast time. And in between, if you're in there, if you're in the mountains or you're in the central time, it's all there. And I want to send that to you so you get what you need to know. It's a wonderful email I put together. It's got the bullet points, and it's what you need to know. I'll tell you, the toughest critic I have, the t- smartest one I know is my wife. And she tells me all the time, don't send an email with lots of talk and chatter. Give me some bullet points on what I need to know. Bam, bam, bam. That's what we do. So go to edmartinlive.com. Sign up there. That'd be a big help. I'd appreciate it. I promise, again, to respect your inbox. You'll like it. I promise you. All right. Today, let's get to what you need to know. It's a four-pack. It's a four-pack. I've had a hard time narrowing down what you need to know, so I'm giving you a four-pack, okay? Four-pack. The first thing you need to know is just hours ago, the President of the United States took to the lectern in the White House uh, press briefing room, and he spoke for about three minutes, and he read read a prepared statement, and he exited stage left. Then he turned it over to Dr. Burks. Then he turned it over to uh, uh, Kaylee McEnany, the uh, the press secretary, who did this unbelievable presentation where she actually asked the media to ask Obama's spokespeople a series of questions. It was unbelievable. As someone, one of you uh, texted me and said, she gave them homework. She gave them homework. But what you need to know, four things. Number one, President Trump took the lectern and he said the following. He said, too many states have made it so liquor stores, abortion clinics are considered essential essential services and stayed open. He said, today I'm telling you, I've checked with the CDC and I'm saying to America, every church, every religious worship, he didn't say everyone, but he made synagogue. He did say he did say church. I'm sure he meant a Buddhist temple. If you're if you're worshiping this weekend, he said, I'm telling you, your service, your church is an essential service. Do it. And he said, and if your governor override, says that you can't, I'll override him. Now, what does it mean? What you need to know is what the president of the United States just did was gave every church in America the, the ability to meet this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and to not get jerked around by a governor or county executive. What it means is he gave the political and legal cover. He asserted, I'm sure he checked with the attorney general of the United States, but he asserted the rights of the people to be able to exercise their free uh, assembly 
And he gave you a signal. It's unbelievable. It's wonderful. And here's the thing. He didn't say be stupid. If you're going to go to church, still observe the, the, you know, the basics, you know, probably depending on your age, depending on, you know, maybe you don't want to go to church. If you're older, if you're sick, you know, if you have some illnesses, you want to have some social distancing. Some people are going to use masks. You want to be smart about it. Nobody's saying suspend your common sense in the face of this virus. But his point was, we've been at this too long. And and if you're a church, you're being you're being you're being persecuted. You're being targeted. Literally, liquor stores, Costco, gas stations, abortion clinics are essential services, and you can't go to church. Come on, man. Well, that's my number two of this wink. Number two of this wink. So remember, four pack the wink. What you need to know is a four pack of the wink. It's a home run. Okay, coming around first. That first one was President Trump. He gets a sharp single and tells you go to church, and he'll cover for you. Number two, Joe Biden. He's a racist. Joe Biden won on a black, an African-American uh, black host uh, did a show in, out of Atlanta. And he, at the end of the show, he said, hey, if you can't tell the difference between whether to vote for me or Trump, you ain't black. Now, here's the here's what you need to know about this one. He is racist because he tells people to vote in, in categories. Right. He doesn't care if you're Kanye and you're an entrepreneur worth a billion dollars or if you're, uh, you know, a ball player or you're a, uh, a, uh, a um, literary hero, you know, writer, whatever. It doesn't matter if you're black, you're supposed to be Democrat. Give me a break. Come on, man. But he shows he's racist. Here's one thing I'll qualify with. When you watch the whole interview, I did watch the whole interview. It's pretty clear Biden knows this Charlemagne the God. That's his name. He's the host, African-American host. It's pretty pretty clear that they're comfortable and they're kind of joshing and joking around. But Trump, uh, Biden should know you can't josh and joke around in sound bites that are going to come back to haunt you for months and months and weeks and weeks. But here's the thing you need to know now. Biden made such a mess of it. And he is such a online sensation now. Here's the one thing at the very end of the of the interview that I heard. Charlemagne the God said something like this after uh, Biden said, "If you can't tell who you support, me or Biden, uh, uh, me or Trump, you, you must he ain't black." At the very end of that, Charlemagne God said something like, "Well, I just want to make sure that we get get something for our people or for our my people or something, something like that." And what he was signaling is, I'm an African-American leader. I'm telling you, this is what the block of people that I want. We want to see you pick a VP that's African-American. And so at the end of this interview and the day all along, all day today, all all that started in the morning, went all the way through the afternoon to the evening. The, the reality is Biden's getting killed on this. Here's what it guarantees. He's going to pick Kamala Harris. He's going to pick Kamala Harris as his VP because, number one, she was the second most popular candidate for president on the Democrat side, second to Biden. Among all those superdelegates, the swampy insiders in the Democrat Party, most of them picked Biden and the rest of them picked Kamala Harris. So she's a swamp. She's a swamp friendly candidate. So that's number one. And number two. He's got to pick a woman. He already said that. And now he's got to pick an African-American. He's not going to pick Stacey Abrams. He's not going to pick, uh, you know, the uh, the guy that was almost governor of, of, of Florida has got had some problems. It's not going to happen. So that's that. That's that. So that's not number one is Trump delivers on uh, essential services as the church. Number two, Biden is a racist. Number three, China's on the move. As I've said to you, China's not intimidated by the attention from uh, the world. They're doubling down. They're cracking down on Hong Kong. They're cracking down on any of the Hong Kong leadership that were saying, hey, we should be left alone. They're saying, no, 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 we're taking you over. As I've said for a year, Hong Kong is probably over as a free place. 
because China's playing a long game. When they started getting bad press, they went quiet, but only for a time. And yesterday and today, they're cracking down on China. China's cracking down on Hong Kong. The communist regime is cracking down on Hong Kong. And they're pushing, as I told you, in all the places you'd expect, the big money on Wall Street, the big money in Europe is saying, well, we can maybe get along with the Chinese. Well, that's a big deal. President Trump has said he's getting out of one of the big treaties, the nuclear treaties with Russia, unless China gets in. Because the only reason to limit nuclear weapons is if China's in, because China's the one that's got the problem right now with the world. So that's number three, what you need to know. China's on the move. So back to the, then the last one, back and, back and clean up. In a few moments, I'm going to talk with Jay Ashcroft. Jay Ashcroft is the Secretary of State in Missouri. He's a super guy. Great guy. And he's going to explain to us what they're doing in Missouri with early voting, but more important, not early voting, mail-in voting, and, and, uh, and why we should be worried about it. And he's not, he's an engineer, then he became a lawyer. So he's not one of these kind of crazy, hysterical, uh, wild guys in office. He's a sort of methodical, serious guy. He's a great guy, and he's a conservative. And so Jay Ash is going to explain that. So that's a big, that's what you need to know today. On this Memorial Day weekend, heading into Memorial Day weekend, I just give you the four pack again is Trump delivers on churches. They are essential services. He's given the cover to the preachers. He's given the cover to the pastors. He's given the cover to the, the rabbis. Monday of this past week, four days ago, I said churches got to lead. Got to be fearless. They just got their back covered by President Trump. Number two, Biden is a racist. He really is a racist, but also he just put himself in a position where he's going to have to act like a racist and not pick the best candidate to be VP, but he's got to pick a black woman and it's going to be Kamala Harris. Number three, China's on the move. As I told you three days ago, I told you China's on the move and the Wall Street Journal and the Wall Street money's helping. Well, they're going to take every advantage of it. They're going to they're going to they're going to they're going to ruin Hong Kong. That's what they're doing right now. And the last thing is voter fraud. All right. Let me finish just by saying one thing to remember on Memorial Day. Will you do me a favor? Remember those who have fallen for this country. Man, there's some great heroes, not the ones we know. Then there's some we don't know, you know, that are not known to us, the names that aren't known to us. We wouldn't know. Maybe they're maybe they were quietly heroic. Maybe they were not known because they were like an unknown soldier. But remember them on Memorial Day. And the other thing is find a reason to say the pledge. Find a reason to say the Pledge of Allegiance. It is, it's really, it's wonderful, and I hope you'll do it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk to uh, our friend Jay Ashcroft. And later on, we'll talk to, uh, actually, Noah and I were talking, we were getting it wrong. I said Tex Malik. Of course, it's Ted Malik, but Tex Malik could be his, like, cousin from Texas. But we'll talk with Ted Malik, a live, not recording from London. He's in from London. He'll be telling us what's going on in the U.K. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. And my old friend, Jay Ashcroft, long before he was uh, a big shot in the Secretary of State in Missouri, he's a friend of mine, and he is uh, he has the distinction of before he became uh, an attorney, which is always a dubious achievement, he was an engineer. So he's redeemed himself in the eyes of uh, my father-in-law and many Americans because he went to Rolla and, uh, and got his uh, engineering management degree. And he is now the Secretary of State. I was most impressed, Jay. I hadn't been tracking it closely that you finished uh, one of these tours of the whole every county in the state visiting the clerks uh, in each of the jurisdictions, the election uh, jurisdictions. That must have been a heck of a trip to do in this uh, period, of, you know, in this period of all the, the coronavirus stuff. I, I, I'm impressed. It went pretty well, huh? It was it was hectic, but it was great. We did over 5,000 miles. I was driving my car 
visited 116 election authorities, distributed over 500 gallons of hand sanitizer, and had the opportunity really to drill down to make sure we're ready to have good, safe, in-person elections in the state of Missouri. Thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, doing that. And I know like I, when I was at the election board in St. Louis, which I think was one of your last stops, the um, it certainly was uh, encouraging when we had we had a little bit tougher time with uh, one of the predecessors to you. I won't bother going back in time. But, hey, I had I want to have you on because the, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, our organization, we've been watching and, and nervous and unhappy about this uh, uh, Senate bill, Missouri Senate Bill 631. All across the country, there seems to be an appetite for uh, legislators to try to solve a problem. I'm not sure what the problem they think they're solving, and I worry the solution is worse than the problem but one of the factors is that you end up with changing our elections to allow mail-in ballots and and changes walk us through what's happening in missouri what the senate bill 631 is and and what the concerns that exist are the real concerns and, and kind of where we are please the, the main part of uh, senate bill 631 was that it would expand absentee balloting uh, for people that might have an underlying issue that uh, could exasperate or make them uh, more uh, frail for attack by COVID-19. But that would be everything really from uh, high blood pressure or diabetes to um, having asthma. And then the secondary portion of it is to allow every individual in the state of Missouri that's a registered voter to request a ballot by mail and just mail that ballot in for the election. And Every election expert will tell you the most secure way to hold an election is to have an individual go to their assigned polling place on election day, vote in person. Not only is it the most secure way to do it, it's the way in which people can know that with the most certainty that their vote will count. They get to take that paper ballot, they slide it through the scanner, they hear the scanner beep when it tabulates the vote, and actually... Um, if the scanner notices an error with the ballot, maybe they voted for too many people for one position or they left it uh, an entire position blank, the voter gets a second chance and say, hey, um, there seems to be a potential error with your ballot. Would you like to check that or vote it anyway? You can't do that with mail-in ballots. The best way to do it is in person. Anything else we do um, is less secure, isn't as good uh, for the voter. And frankly, it's safe and easy to vote in the state of Missouri. We've made sure with the PPE-type equipment that I was sending to every one of the election authorities across the state, it will be safer to go vote than it is to go to the grocery stores. You know, we're talking with Jay Ashcroft, and, and for those that are tracking it, I, I want to give the official uh, address. His uh, Twitter handle is uh, on tw- official is at Missouri SOS, the Secretary of State at Missouri SOS and SOS.mo.gov. You can find out more. There's all the all the all the um, details and, and help you can want there. Uh, but Secretary Ashcroft, on this point, I've, I'm, I'm with you on this. But anybody that needs an absentee ballot. The, the standard is already pretty, I mean, it's pretty flexible. If you say, if you go and say, hey, I, I'm not really up to going on election day because I've got a health concern, isn't that already pretty, it's pretty uh, accessible to most people, isn't it? I would say we, we already had election authorities before this bill was introduced that were sending out absentee ballots. Uh, re- uh, uh, request to people just mass. If you're over the age of 65, we'll send you an absentee ballot request. Um, and I just, you know, beyond the fact of the security of it, it's also a lot more work for the election authority on the back side. 
Um, any uh, mail-in ballot has to be opened by a two-person team. Uh, we have both a Republican and a Democrat participate in that. Then you worry about when do you allow those ballots, when are they valid, or do they have to come in on Election Day, do they have to come in later but be postmarked. Then you have challenges potentially of, well, you should have counted that, but you didn't. Is that signature match? Was that notary correct? It just opens up a whole other level of concerns that can prolong an election and put it in doubt. Right now in Missouri, when people go to vote, or at least the vast majority of them go to vote in person, 10, 11 o'clock at night, even with sometimes late results from a certain jurisdiction on the east part of the state, you know who won the election by 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Right, we're, right. We're, and again, we're talking with uh, uh, Secretary uh, Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft about this um, this uh, Senate bill, which I, I guess the governor hasn't signed it yet, so that's good. It's Senate Bill six thirty one. You know, what was what is the problem? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Is it just sort of the hysteria around this period of time that they're saying, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh," you know, the, I've watched CNN long enough. I better do something because it seems like normal people would see the threat of mail in ballot. I mean, imagine if you send out to people and you let people mail in a ballot i mean again if you've done any election work and i was in the same in st louis I, it's just it's inv- inviting fraud now let me just ask you a question that you maybe you don't want to answer but why the republicans in the in the missouri house and senate pass this you know i i i think everybody's heart was in the right place um i think there was concern because we've heard so much doom and gloom about COVID-19. And, and look, people have died and people are continuing to die. That's, that's not something to, to make light of. Um, but, you know, also we have to remember that just less than four years ago, we had a state rep race in St. In St. Louis that was overturned by a judge because there were so many irregularities with absentee ballots. The winner um, was, rep- was a representative. The judge said, no, we have to redo it. And the purported loser in the first election ended up winning the second election when there were no irregularities with about 75% of the vote. Um, I think people had the, the right intentions. And I think you also have certain groups, ACLU and others, that have been pushing for things like this. And they say, oh, a worldwide pandemic. Let's focus on what our political partisan practices are that we want instead of solving the problem of the pandemic and getting this country moving forward again. It is, um, I guess, um, yeah, I, 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 what surprises me is, um, you know, I, I think you, I think you've been pushing for a long time, most, much of your career for, uh, a photo ID. And, and, you know, so now we're going to have a fix to one problem and no, still no photo ID, right? I mean, the Missouri Supreme Court went way out of their, uh, out of where their, their responsibility should have been to strike it down. But, you know, I, I think you told me you, you tried to get that in a compromise in this one. It didn't work. And so we're not even getting that protection yet. And we're doing this, this thing at makes it less uh, secure. I, it's kind of it's kind of it's it's pretty frustrating for the the people that understand how these things work, I have to say. Well, when I when I entered into this originally, I said if there's going to be any compromise that I agree to, we have to fix what the Supreme Court did with photo ID. 63% of the voters of the state in 2016 amended the constitution to say that um, the state may require a photo ID for people that want to vote. And in January of this year, the Supreme Court said it's unconstitutional under the Missouri Constitution to require a government-issued photo ID to vote. That's the sort of thing we should fix. If we were going to do anything else with elections, the root, the foundation of what we were doing should have at least included fixing photo ID for the people of the state. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, um, you know, the one thing, the other other thing you've told me before, um, we've talked to you again, we're talking with uh, Jay Ashcroft, the Missouri Secretary of State, is, you know, we ask our election officials to do something that's like a high wire act, but they they only get to practice like, you know, three times a year. You know, they don't get to do it. And now we're going to change the rules in time for one of the biggest elections uh, seasons we've had. Uh, You know, I, I, I just I sure hope that the governor thinks that, hey, we can get something next year that will maybe be more secure. But this doesn't make sense i i don't know is there is, is, do you have any uh sense of the timeline of what the governor's decision will be when it when he'll make a decision no i, d- I don't really know what he'll do uh, i assume it would be if he wants it to affect the august election it needs to be quick you know beyond the security concerns and other things the, the bill is confusing um you're allowed yeah. to send in an absentee b- ballot to a different manner than you can with uh, a mail-in ballot you're allowed to request the absentee ballot uh, in multiple ways, but the mail-in ballot can only be asked for in this way. We don't want to make changes in the election right before an election, and we sure don't want to do things that are going to confuse the registered voters of the state, because we want to make sure that we have an election, sure, that's healthy and safe for people to participate in, that's secure, and make sure that every registered voter has the opportunity to vote. Yep. Well, good stuff. I'm, I appreciate you being there. I know it's not an easy job. Sometimes you're fighting against your own party. Uh, Jay Ashcroft, Missouri's uh, Secretary of State. Thanks very much, Jay, and uh, stay safe. I'm glad Thanks you're safely off the road and uh, from that great trip around all the counties in Missouri. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Jay. Thanks. Bye. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Be right back. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, our old friend. I can say that now because he's a regular guest. Ted Malik will joins us now from all the way across the lake. Uh, he is across the pond, I guess they say. He's in London. Uh, Ted Malik is, of course, a... Um, businessman, a business leader. He's also been a, a uh, academic and a, I'd say a theorist writing about what's happening, what's going to happen, predicting what's coming. And he's a prolific writer. And he's got a piece up recently. Also, it's tedmalik.com, uh, tedmalik.com to get all his stuff and see what's going on. But he's got a piece up over at our, with our friend, The Gateway Pundit, thegatewaypundit.com. I'll put it up on social media. And the title is uh, <laughs> Divock 91, Once Upon a Time, An Alternative Tale. So first of all, welcome, Ted. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Um, so you're a little bit he- healthy. Of uh, we're still locked down here, so you have a little more yeah. freedom than uh, we do. I can't even go. I to was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say, we. it looks like you are, although it depends on where you are. I'm in, I'm today, right now I'm in D.C. D.C. is probably going to stay locked down for longer than it should, but at least we're, we're moving in that direction. So uh, I hope, I'm glad to hear you're healthy and everything's well in your family. So, hey, tell us about this piece. This is in a great tradition of writing and thinking. It's kind of an alternative tale. Walk us through uh, what you write about here. It's really very, very, very well, interesting yeah, usually, and wise. I'm uh, overly analytical and very quantitative. This takes a yeah. different approach. Um, you know, I uh, basically pretended to be Jonathan Swift writing Gulliver <laughs> and, um, exactly. in, yeah. in a different time period. And I said, you know, suppose this had just broken differently, just, you know, that little bit. Um, and so I created this alternative tale, and I call it, you know, basically mm-hmm. COVID in a mirror. So mm-hmm. if those two experts, we know who they are, had gone in, Trump's uh, Oval Office told him what they did, and he said, hmm, you know, very interesting. Um, 
but I'm not buying it because all of your models have been wrong before, and you can go down the list of them. The one that they use mm-hmm. here, this Imperial College model, which is out of London, is particularly garbage. I mean, it right. estimated 2.4 million deaths. Uh, when you look at the code for the model, it is not even uh, discernible. The guy who built it, this uh, Niall Ferguson, has resigned in disgrace. I mean, mm-hmm. and here we have now a situation where, I mean, the entire world, but let's look at the U.S. and, and lens, is in a deep depression. If 30 million people unemployed, we have a situation that, frankly, you know, we haven't had probably in over 100 years. And... Mm-hmm. The way out is going to be treacherous, long, painful, costly. We've already spent $8 trillion. We didn't have to do that. It We're talking with Ted Malik. And t- t- yeah, yeah, Ted. And so what the, and this piece, um, I, I, and I, I think you're probably right. I mean, in the sense that I've told people, I trusted that the president was going to do what he did every other time was listen to the experts, listen to uh, abide by some of their stuff. But generally, I trust his judgment. But I guess it's, you know, the way you write it is really persuasive in a way that what the alternative would have been. But now I want to go back to this. I know we're back to the present, but you're you're you know, you're an economist. You've seen world economies. Where do we go from here? We are where we are now. Can you can you envision a different kind of restart, comeback than the usual return from recession, return from depression? Well, yes, because it's not a normal recession. It's not a business cycle recession. It's not, uh, you know, induced by a mortgage crisis like the last one. You know, it's not uh, the typical recession in any sense. This was a government-induced coma. So in a sense, you know, it is a lot like the medical uh, description of going into coma. Now, you know, usually you come out of coma and then you shock the patient back and he or she comes back over a period of time and can come back to life and hopefully gain cognizance and then activity and mental acuity and, you know, mobility. I'm actually concerned about the pace that we're moving. These lockdowns have been horrible. I mean, they've been basically fascistic, authoritarian. And we need to break those lockdowns. We need to get business started again. We need to use American ingenuity, innovation, entrepreneurship to solve some of these problems. And, I mean, I've been working on that as a business person over the last few months, and there are a lot of answers. We need to employ some of those, and we need to free people up. Uh, So we need to correct that. I think the president feels it himself. You see it in his actions. Well, and Ted, we're talking to Ted, Ted Malik, and you know, you, you, you've taught me over these many, these years when I talked to you on the show, I mean, you've, your ideas, half the time it feels like, maybe more, you're actually persuading me and others to believe what you're saying, and therefore it happens, right? You, 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 you know, a lot of the economy is the psychology, but the economy right now in America, broadly speaking, is, is fear and uncertainty, right? It's, it's not, it's not, when, when the president had a thing humming three months ago, everybody thought, man, it's getting better and better. There's an opportunity every term. My, my house property's gone up. I might buy a car. My job is getting better. And now it's sort of, it's at least uncertainty, if not fear. And how do you turn that around? No, the confidence has been erased. So, um, 
you know, it's like a reputation, if you will. It's very difficult and long to build a reputation. It takes decades, probably. And it can be lost literally in a nanosecond on the Internet if something happens, certainly uh, overnight. So we, we really need the best minds. Uh, and we are on the science side working on a Manhattan Project to come up with a vaccine. We need Kudlow and Navarro and the business council, other groups to come together and say, how can we just, you know, just just jet start this again, not pay people not to work, but let them work, put Americans back mm-hmm. to work instead of locking them down. Now, the other thing I, I, and I, I did this on purpose in this article, so it's a very important point. Now, I, you know, I have a Ph.D. in international mm-hmm. political economy. I have four um, unearned doctorates that were honorary. You know, I've written 17 mm-hmm. books. So, yeah. People would basically say that Ted Malik is an expert. Right. Uh, what I want people to come away from this thinking is these experts are not so expert as they say they are. In other right. words, let's put a you know um, a needle in the bubble of this arrogance, this hubris about expertise, about credentialed experts. Common sense mm-hmm. should trump expertise in every case. And that's why, you know, I certainly love the president. I think he's trying to do that. I think he made one critical mistake, letting these people, quote, lock down the economy based on their faulty models. Yeah. Oh, we're talking with uh, Ted Malik again, tedmalik.com to, for all his stuff. Uh, Ted, what, what's going on in the U.K. now? Boris Johnson, the prime minister, is recovered, as at least publicly is described as such. It, you know, how, are, how, are, how is the economy there doing? Are they in a similar uh, have they put themselves in a similar box that we're in in America? Yes, it's, it's not so dissimilar. Uh, I mean, other countries on the continent have reopened and are progressing faster. The U.K. is still in a lockdown. Um, I mean, you can't go outside except for a few miles. Um, you know, people are going back to work slowly, most of them working from home. You can't get a haircut. You can't go to the pub. I mean, it's, it's a very mm-hmm. slow process. They're talking about restarting schools on June 1st for certain uh, younger pupils. But it, it, it is, um, it's a desperate situation. And the government is likewise, and this is a physical problem, they're picking up the freight for all these people who are not working. And that is adding enormously to the British uh, deficit, to the cost of doing business, just like it is in the United States. I think this is something that we're going to be living with, frankly, for two generations, the cost of what has transpired. Uh, Hey, Ted, one more question before I let you go. Uh, Cambridge University just announced that they're going to do the entire year next year, the school year, you know, not just the fall or I guess don't they do three three trimesters there, but not all the way from the fall Mm -hmm. through the spring. They're going to do it all online. How can that be? Well, I mean, if they do that and, and some other universities are suggesting that for part or all of the year, then they ought to give the students a tuition rebate. Because yeah. a uh, online education is not the same thing as an in-person education, and I think students should demand that. It's uh, it's it's unacceptable. Why should they pay the same rate? Uh, I mean, I do believe in blended learning. Lots of courses now are taught using these, uh, you know, uh, Zoom lectures and, and different techniques, online learning, and, and that's fine. But there's nothing like the actual classroom. So. 
I would say if I'm a parent or if I'm a student and you have a university that says what Cambridge has reportedly just said, I'd say no thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. All right, we got to run. Uh, Ted Malik, thanks as always for being with us. And uh, I'll put the piece up. It's over at thegatewaypundit.com and we'll put it on social media and we'll talk again very soon. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ed. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. We'll be back in a minute. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Feminists seem to find sexism behind every wrong in the world. As soon as COVID-19 hit the headlines, the feminists all rushed to say that the virus itself was sexist. Aside from the obvious fact that the coronavirus is not a conscious entity capable of actually being sexist, they have one big problem. Evidence shows that men are actually more likely to die from coronavirus than women. It's no wonder Phyllis Schlafly had so much fun calling out these feminist fantasies. They really are bound and determined to make fools of themselves. To prove the sexism of the coronavirus, feminists point out that there are more female nurses than male nurses which means they are more likely to be exposed to the virus than men while tending to COVID-19 patients. Without a doubt, the entire nation should be thankful for the brave women who work in hospitals around the country. They're heroes worthy of our praise and respect. It's true that there are more female nurses out there than male nurses, but that doesn't make the virus sexist any more than roads are sexist because more men than women choose to be highway workers. It all comes down to a question of values. Lots of women want to do the work that nurses do, They like the fact that they can usually choose their own hours so they can devote more time to their family. Of course, COVID-19 has made healthcare workers work crazy hours lately, but that's the exception rather than the rule. When it comes down to it, female nurses choose to be nurses because they consider it to be a fulfilling way to help other people and to earn a good living. To say that they were somehow forced by society into this role is to diminish the incredible work they do every single day. They chose to be heroes, and I applaud them for it. Like the greatest generation before them, they chose to run into battle and to serve we the people. And I hope when children read about COVID-19 in the history books, they don't read about a sexist disease that oppressed women. I hope they read about the courageous female nurses and doctors and tech workers and others who've risked everything to help those in need. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The hypocrisy and lies of the liberal media are alarming and even incite public unrest. But the fake news and the commentators whose slant coverage are finally being exposed. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to provide timely alerts and take effective action on your behalf. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. I promised you yesterday I would cover this uh, story, and so let me walk you through it. And here's my assertion. You want to think about this and then try to map this out. Feminists and, you know, Americans, whether male or female, that won't fight back against the feminists are destroying men's sports. They're destroying men's sports and 
They're actually also destroying men because if you take away from men the kinds of things like men's sports and the kinds of things that men do, you, you just make them into w- wimps and all. And so, but you know, we've we've talked, and I've, I've got a book coming out. I've got a book. We have a book coming out. I have a copy in my hands or right off my desk now. I just dropped it down there uh, by Abigail Spire about uh, the transgender, the, the effective transgender movement on women and on girls. It's really interesting stuff. But I want to talk to you about the feminist movement which started in the 70s and goes on through today, and far too often men and women of goodwill roll over to the feminist movement. And what do I mean? Well, I'll put up on social media this uh, commentary, just like the one you heard, from Phyllis Schlafly back 10 years ago, where she writes about the fact that there's Title IX, under Title IX, the federal law that was passed uh, back in the 70s, it created the situation where in order to be compliant with Title IX, a federal law, the the, uh, universities in America, any university that takes federal tax dollars, which is like every university except for Grove City College, I think doesn't, Hillsdale College doesn't, uh, maybe uh, Thomas Aquinas uh, College dozen, maybe a handful, but every other one does enough that they do that. So in this piece that Phyllis wrote in 2010, it talks about how the feminists, they've had a long campaign. Title IX forces colleges to cancel men's sports teams until the number of men and women on sports teams has the same ratio as the number of men and women enrolled in academic classes. So think about that. That's what they have to do. Title IX, this is 10 years ago. Title IX has forced the elimination of 467 wrestling teams, college wrestling teams, men's, because they're, she says it in this, a particular target of feminist anti-masculine ideology. But the fact is that they've also limited 19 men's collegiate gymnastics team, the baseball team at universities. Why? Because if you play football at a university, you're going to have 60 or 70 guys on the team, which means you have to have the same number of women on other teams. And so if you have 15 guys on the wrestling team, 60 guys on the football team, more like 100 guys on the football team, now you're now up to 115. Well, there's not that many women's sports that have that many players. There's no team that has as many players as a football team. Sometimes the girls' soccer, the women's soccer team is similar. You get my point. But this is because the Title IX law, and there has been uh, exceptions carved out of the Title IX law. Think about this. Title IX, federal law, they allowed exceptions for single-sex schools. They allowed exceptions for seminaries. They allowed exceptions for fraternities, sororities. They used to allow uh, exceptions for Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, although they've caved. American Legion, Girl State, Boy State, mother-daughter events, father-daughter events. There's all exceptions. We need an exception for men's sports. But here's where the story gets interesting. ESPN wrote a piece two or three days ago. I'll put it up on social media. And they talk about the financial toll of the coronavirus could cost football $4 billion. And in the midst of this, you have to look closely. They talk about how athletic departments are canceling programs. And they're canceling programs one after another. But they're almost all men's sports programs. And it's not in the story, but it's because the the, the compliance with Title IX requires that they catch up to this. So they can't cancel... Uh, they can't cancel girls' programs because they won't be able to keep the football program going. And so it's another example. They're using this as an excuse when they're down money to cancel more programs to catch up. Here's the thing. It's outrageous. It's outrageous that we're living in America in 2020 and we're, and we're having to fight to keep men's sports going. The Congress should change that Title IX today. 
and allow schools to decide what they want to play. And look, I don't I don't think it's sexist to say it that but a lot of guys, a lot of men would like to go to school and play sports. I played sports in college. I didn't play it well that, that well, but I played sports in college. There's a lot of things that guys do differently than women and that they should be allowed to do. So and and here's the thing. We're going to see major changes in lots of aspects of American life because of this coronavirus, because of the China virus. I call it the China virus. And, and as we do, we need to step in and lean in with the values we want to be out there, the, the pro-family values, the pro-men's uh, sports, the, pro, uh, the idea that having, having positive things happen in our society, not transgender athletes, not transgender athletes destroying girls' sports, Think about that. That's another thing that's the craziest world. We're living in a world where things are upside down so profoundly that we have to step in and start to be more assertive. So that's that's what I told you I'd talk about. I'm not sure. I'll, I'll look for some more examples of that, and I'm going to get some more folks to uh, weigh in on this. There's a professor, I think he's out of Washington University in St. Louis, who I will uh, I will get um, a little bit more detail from them and uh, and see exactly what uh, uh, what he, from him exactly what he can tell me about some of the breakdown of these because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of studies out there. Okay, I will. I just got in a, as a text more of the specific guidelines that the White House and President Trump did today on the um, CDC's guidelines for houses of worship. They call house of worship guidelines for a range. I'll put that up on social media. You want to check that out? It's a great. It's a great thing. It's uh, good stuff. I'm glad he did it. And uh, as always, I want to say thank you to our fearless uh, technical director, Noah, for keeping everything on time. Joanna, uh, for helping book so many guests. If you liked hearing Ted Malik, if you liked hearing uh, Jay Ashcroft, uh, go over to TheAnswerSanDiego.com. You can get the show as a podcast. You can also go on iTunes and Google Play or wherever else. And go to EdMartinLive.com. You can check out EdMartinLive.com. In fact, if you sign up for that email blast, uh, most of those... Um, Interviews as uh, standalone interviews will be posted uh, in there and passed along. So do all those things and have a great weekend. Listen, if you if you served in our military in a special way, I know Memorial Day will mean a lot to you because you had brothers and sisters in arms who lost their lives. So thank you for that, and I hope everyone has a great Memorial Day weekend. And we will be back on Tuesday night. We'll talk to you then. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. <laughs> 